art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual Livestream for the Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the Livestream for the Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. They say it's not about the destination, but the journey. And while every story has a beginning, we're here to talk about the end. Hey everybody, it is Podcast Rob with James Hatton. And we're here for yet again another episode of The End. And this episode of The End is sponsored once again by Quixotic Games. Quixotic Games is still taking late entries into their Kickstarter campaign for their two new games, Core Worlds Empires, which is the epic standalone sequel to the original Core Worlds card game released 10 years ago, and Core Worlds Nemesis, which is a long-awaited solo expansion to the original Core Worlds card game. Yep, yep. The Kickstarter campaign features lots of add-ons, including cheap bundles of the original Core Worlds game and its expansions, as well as the Dungeon Alliance series of games, also published by Quixotic Games. Check out their campaign on quixoticgames.com. Q-U-I-X-O-T-I-C games.com. Yep, yep. Yes. It is a fantastic game, by the way. I've played Core Worlds. Uh, I've played their deck building game. It is super fun. Yeah, I enjoyed the the time that you uh, showed it to me. I, I would love to... See how the sequel goes and what's smoothed out and back over it. What's a uh, pig? <laughs> Gonna pour one the out. pig. Yeah. Well, let's get to something less tragic. The oh. end. <laughs> yeah, something less tragic. <laughs> this month's episode of the end. We are tackling a TV show that uh, was originally not on my radar, like at all. Uh, I had seen it on Netflix, passed by it a bunch of times. But a very good friend of ours in the show, uh, Alexis Torres, who uh, was working for AfterBuzz TV at the time, was always tweeting about and talking about and 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 jamming about the 100. So mm-hmm. finally, I broke down probably around season three uh, and tweeted back at her and said, "Okay, fine, you've talked about it enough. I'm going to start watching this show." To which she responded, "I am so sorry." <laughs> um. It's, it's that sounds like us after a certain island show, which I'm sure I'll reference at least once during this episode. So, f- the main I- gist mm. of the series, for those who may or may not be aware, uh, Earth is fucked. Uh, <laughs> there is a kind of satellite space station floating around up in space uh, with what is left of humanity uh, after the nuclear apocalypse that has happened on Earth. Uh, they have determined. 
uh, hey, no matter how much we fudge the numbers or ration out food and water, we just do not have enough supplies for people on the space station. Everybody is going to die. We have one shot. Uh, our projections have been that it would take X number of years for Earth to try to return to normal. We're kind of approaching that border, but we're a little bit early, but we need to take a risk. So we are going to take 100 quote-unquote criminals and send them down to the planet to see if it's viable for us to return to Earth. And it just so happens that the 100 quote-unquote criminals... Um, and the reason I say quote unquote is because it's stuff like you stole an extra piece of bread or you yeah. spoke back to this person kind of thing. Um, they happen to be 100 of the prettiest fucking people <laughs> who have ever lived a life on this fucking satellite space station. They're, they're from the uh, Dawson's Creek Nebula. It, exactly. That is exactly <laughs> the nebula they are from. So um, to, to prep for and this. And they're all between the ages of like 19 and 22. Yeah, they're they're exactly the age where uh, you could where a grown up can watch the show and be like, "Damn, look at that one," and a kid can watch the show and be like, "Damn, look at that one." Yeah, um, pretty much. I I watched the first fifteen minutes of the end episode and was so. Look, the end premise that we have concocted here is to watch the finale and speak on it in in a bubble. And it's sometimes really hard to do that. I'm sure as people know, sometimes we get into like the meat of a season or the meat of a show with this one. I felt knowing there were seven seasons, I felt so out of any idea what's going on that I, I went and I watched the pilot and I'm going to tell you by the end of the pilot, I was nowhere close to understanding anything. It was such a long and and circular and convoluted journey from the pilot to the finale. Oh boy! And there were so many uh, ridiculous, and I say ridiculous not in a stupid or silly way, but ridiculous in a just outlandish type of character development arcs that mm -hmm. happened in this show that uh, there is, it is literally like trying to explain to somebody who it's like watching those videos of taking a 10 year old kid now and giving him like a play school toy from the seventies and having them be like, what the fuck is this? Right, or like, or like, like a, a rotary, rotary phone. phone, exactly. You're like, what am I supposed to do with this? I have no idea. How did this get to this? Like, it is nigh impossible to just look at the first episode and the last episode and connect any sort of dots whatsoever. No, I, I see you've been enjoying your Commodore 64. Welcome to virtual reality. Yeah, exactly. Cool. It's just um, the first episode. It felt very like like it was a Lord of the Fly style show. Like it was Blue Summer in space or. Is that it? Blue Summer? The the one with uh, where the kids are on the island and they live on the island by themselves? Oh, Whatever. Okay. But you know which one I'm talking about? Movie I'm talking about? Not at all. Okay. It's got Brooke Shields. Um, Blue Lagoon. Anyway. Blue Lagoon. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Blue Summer. What the fuck? I, are you I started I Googling it. I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> um, anyway, it, it's, it's very much like the rebels who aren't actually that rebellious 
uh, are on this island and the kids are going on the island and the grown-ups are checking to see whether the kids are going to die because otherwise, like the kids are their guinea pigs and there's a lot of political garbage going on up in space about whether or not uh, the, the people in charge are completely garbage people or whether they're good. All right, take all that. Like that is all I have to say about the first episode. We jump to the end and it's like a civil war with 50 people, uh, which I laughed hysterically at the layout of this battle. There's a Q continuum that's judging people to see whether they're going to ascend into the ether. There's like, I couldn't tell it was, it felt like a Christian allegory. Uh, really... You're not too far off. Okay, good. Cause uh, what's that show that was on Showtime or maybe HBO about the uh, one day everybody wakes up and everybody's gone. And so the people that are left are just cult members and fucking everybody thinks that they, um, uh, what's the word? Holy I mean, crap. This is, this I tells mean, there, you how Judeo-Catholic the, I am. There, I mean, there was left behind. Well, this is very left behind. That's, and that's exactly the word I'm trying to think of. I'll remember the HBO show in a minute. The forgotten, the others, the somethings that I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. Uh, point stands. The how we went from Lord of the Flies, yeah, let's take Piggy's glasses and take off his bracelet so his parents don't know if he's dead, and we got to civil war with people wearing woad, carrying machine guns. Please, Rob, help. So, uh, there is. There's really no way to explain that and keep it in the context of the final episode without just giving a general synopsis. The overarching right. synopsis is that, uh, lo and behold, there are still people living on Earth. Uh, there are people that have survived in bunkers. There are people who have who have gone uh, primitive um, in a, I'm going to use the term primitive techno way. Um, which we don't really understand in the first part of the series that we start to understand later on in the series, and it becomes one of those kind of Ouroboros, hey, this caused this thing to happen, and then these people looked at that and believed it was this, and then it became a religion and a theology, but it was really based on this one guy's notes that he wrote in the border of his book that somebody found 200 years later kind of thing. If mm-hmm. it's It's... It's a weird kind of uh, journey that the show makes. Um, one of the funniest things that I happen to, uh, I'll say, enjoy about the show is that it has, there's a language that is spoken throughout the show. And I'm just pulling it up so I can get the name correct. Oh, it's. Uh, I was watching with captions. It's a strange, long, like Triska decaphobia word. Tri- uh, yeah, trigadislang. Okay, trigadislang. Right. Uh, I believe, um, shortened to trig. Uh, it is. It translates to forest language, um, and it was. I believe it was created for the show. It's not. It's not an actual like language that's out there. I yeah. But, uh, oh no, it was developed for season two of The 100 by linguist David J. Peterson, who also made Dothraki and Valyrian languages for Game of Thrones. That's a cool uh, job. He claims that it was based on a posteriori language based on English. So, 
the people who live in the forest, uh, everything is called, everything is a crew. It, it, that's your group. That's your clan. Instead of clan, they call them crew. So the people who live in the forest are tree crew. Okay. But it's spelled T-R-I-C-R-E-W. Uh, if you came from the heavens, like the people from the 100 did, they were called Sky Crew, but it's S-K-A-I-C-R-E-W. So everything has this weird kind of uh, similarity to English. So when they say Tree Crew and Sky Crew and One Crew, which is when they're all united, W-O-N-K-R-U, um, it's like the viewer understands what those titles and what those names mean. Right. Um but there is a whole language uh, that they do speak to each other that does, I mean, it sounds, I know it's created for the show, but it kind of sounds like Latin mixed with jive. If, you know, if you've ever seen the airplane movies, it's very similar to that. Um, so yeah, for those things, you kind of do need to read the subtitles, but if, if you're listening as you're reading the subtitles, like what you're hearing still like you're you're oh, okay i i can understand that like you're seeing where the audio ties into the subtitle mm-hmm. when you're going through and doing that stuff it's very weird it's very bizarre um I'm- but again the character arcs that people have made uh as allegiances between the different uh grounder you know the earth living clans and the uh science group of people who have been living in Mount Weather and and have defended themselves from the grounders and the tree crew and the sky crew and the one crew and everything else. It's just... <laughs> and the two live crew. Yeah, exactly. It's it's literally... It's, it's literally like starting with uh, with uh, with Gandalf and 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 Frodo. And that's the whole first episode. And then the last episode is, you know, the entire seven armies and everybody else. And you're just like, well, how did... Hamana, hamana, hamana. Yeah, there's yeah. just there's no easy way to explain how one gets to the other. Um, I, but, but things do end up coming to a head. They do come to a climax. All of the different questions that have been raised throughout the series do basically come to... Uh, a collective answer in the final episode. I will say it did not go uh, the way I would have liked to seen it, but then again, Mm -hmm. very rarely on the end does anything end the way that we had predicted it was going to or would have liked to see it end. I mean, that's there's a handful of TV shows ever that that we can say that about. The uh, found out the name of the show I was thinking of, even though I'm sure, listener, you are already screaming it and have been at your cell phone for wherever uh, the leftovers was the show I was thinking of okay. from HBO. Fair enough. Um, so am I correct that, well, let me, let me take us back first. Cause I, in my research, I learned that even though the show didn't end the way you were sort of thinking and hoping um, it seems collectively like the whole world who enjoyed the 100 and including uh, from Alexis's response, I can assume her as well, that the show had this really, really top peak of good teen drama sci-fi goodness somewhere right in the season three, season four area. 
And then by the time we get to the end, even the people who were faithful to the show were like, oh my God, can it please just stop? It, it you seems are, like nobody are, liked the ending. Uh, well, you are not entirely wrong. And if okay. you look at... So there were a bunch of different things that happened in this final season. Uh, one of the main actors uh, who plays the character of Bellamy Blake... Uh, who is the brother of one of the uh, other main characters, Octavia. Um, he was accused of some improprieties by other castmates during like one of the downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think any of it was ever uh, like conclusively determined yes or no, but because of the friction and, and uh, issues that it was causing uh, among the show and the cast and everything else, he kind of went to them and said, look, don't make me a focus of season seven. Obviously, you know, part of it was already written and started to be filmed, but just like kind of like leave me to the side part of it. So I'm sure they had to like completely rewrite a lot of his stuff to keep him separate from the rest of the group and have him kind of tap out early. And the episode that his character does kind of uh, leave the series uh, was not only the worst received episode of season seven, but pretty much the worst received episode of the entire series overall. Youch. Um, yeah, it did not go over well whatsoever. Um, but but if that you... was, a, I'm sorry, just to make that clear. So that, but that was more of a, we'll call it political, but that was a business decision episode, not a narrative decision episode. Right. Um, but yeah. if you if okay. you look at the so like if you for example, if you pull up Wikipedia and you just pull up, you know, the 100 TV series and kind of scroll down towards the bottom, mm-hmm. they give you a bar graph of U.S. viewers per episode in the millions of oh, the yes. entire series. And it premiered like you can see how every season There's kind of excitement for the first episode, and then it kind of falls off a little bit. Sometimes it's a dramatic fall off. Sometimes it's, you know, just kind of a slow, gentle slope. But the series started with almost 2.75 million viewers watching it. And the series ended with just barely over half a million viewers total. Yeah. Like from streaming, from uh, watching it broadcast, from TiVo'd. So there was a absolutely huge fall off uh, of this show over the seven years. And I think it probably did outlive its lifespan by probably two seasons. I I don't know what they could have done to to condense things to wrap it up quicker because I mean there was some there was some meat on some of those stories and the seasons and I'm not saying that every bit I mean from what I've watched and from what I can remember most of the episodes did push the narrative so it's not like we could just say we could just cut it after season 5 or we could have eliminated half of season 4 and just jumped right to here um, so it's kind of difficult to say what they should have cut because everything did. It was, it was cumulative. It everything felt like did it, it was a steer addition. what came after it, either for good or for bad. Everything right. steered what came after it in, in character development. I'm not sure I can remember off the top of my head, 
uh, if there were ever any... Well, no, I'm going to change that. I was going to say, if there were any ever instances of, of you know, characters acting one way one episode and another way of another episode, and I'm immediately going to put the kibosh on that because, okay. like, the uh, every stage direction on every script, I'm sure, and in every Bible, you know, that they had for where this story was going, there were parenthetical, unspoken commands that... Every episode story and every story arc for a season must revolve around the two or three main people who were in power, which is either Clark or Bellamy or uh, or John, um, saying, we can't keep doing what we've done before. We have to start trusting each other and we have to believe in each other. Cool. Right. So this is what we've agreed to do. I'm going to go tell the other faction that we're about to be at war with that this is what we're going to do. And that person goes off and they get there and things get heated and it becomes a, well, yeah, fuck you. We're going to do this differently without telling anybody else in the group. That is the entirety of this entire show, this entire series. It's three or four people agreeing we're going to do A and then one person, regardless of who it is, deciding mm -hmm. on the fly without telling anybody else we're going to do B or C or L or or whatever, <laughs> however fucking far down the alphabet they're going to get. Right. Um, and we're then, saying they're and then do shit any... hits the fan and they go, well, what happens? You were supposed to tell them this. Well, I told them this instead. Okay, well, you've just fucked us. And then it just creates internal strife and then it takes six or seven episodes to get over the internal strife and then wash, rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. So let's address, there are two major plot elements that I really would like to, yeah, I don't even need to know the full like narrative function of them. Uh, because if there's a moral to be gathered from this episode, it's not hard to figure out. Uh, there is the mystical, magical space girl uh, who is very much like a Q from Star Trek uh, that humans are being tested to see whether they can evolve to become, uh, what is it, transcendental, I believe is oh, the term? Oh, that's, that's... Transcendent. That's Lexa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, Clark is the person who is sort of the head of the test. She's the, the one being sort of quiz tested thing. So, yes, um, Clark, Clark is basically uh, the de facto leader of the 100 who were sent down to the planet. Um, through various different strifes and arguments and battles and stuff, she has kind of uh, elevated herself as... Uh, the leader of the 100. She was also formerly the leader of some of the grounder tribes through various mystical technology bullshit that <laughs> happened throughout the season. But that chick that she sees is uh, a previous, what they called commander to one of the groundling forces. Um, and Clark, uh, her name was Lexa. And Clark and Lexa had a relationship and when Lexa died, they had nominated kind of Clark to take her position. Um, so in this quote unquote test to see if humanity is worth saving or not, you're basically kind of judged by somebody who was close to you. That's how that manifests and looks to you. So that's how mm. she sees uh, Lexa, that, that, that magical space chick that you said. Right. The judge. Uh, and so throughout this episode... Clark goes and kills who I presume is 
the big bad from either this season or from many seasons because he seems like he's been a, a bad bad for a while. And so because she did that, humans are cast out of heaven. You're, you're not worth saving. You done goofed. Um, we've never had someone who is being tested murder during the test, which womp womp, really? Uh, but to the same, another woman enters said space bubble and like pleads on humanity's case. Like, no, 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 no. Look, you can't judge all of us based on one person's actions. And they bring them to the battle zone where there's these two factions fighting. Mm-hmm. Here's my first. Oh, come on. Uh, not the whole cleat that, that whole plot subplot there of like humans worth being saved. We, we can evolve, we can grow is cliche, but that the battle is the part that bothered me because it's this, I don't know, let's say maybe a hundred people total split off by what seems to be not the length, but like the width of a soccer field. Yeah, pretty much. There's, there's, this is, these are all of the people in this battle. It looks like it's a green screen. It looks like the, the, um, hundred years war done in two minutes. It's just, these guys are fighting and they can talk to each other at a reasonable level. Yeah, there's and no, they, have like, <laughs> they don't have to scream to the other side. It's just like, no. hey, why do we have to fight? Like, it's that. <laughs> so that that whole area is kind of like a fucking, it's almost like the smoking lounge cul-de-sac of this bigger compound that the sciency group that the followers of uh, Cadigan and his disciples uh, live in and have been living in. So this isn't like an outdoor thing. Like, they've gone through this doorway and now they're in this this giant kind of outdoor man-made garden cul-de-sac. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did not translate through finale because I was really laughing at the, you know, usually you're fighting over land and you're fighting over territory and these guys are fighting over... A parking space. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. The the mall. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The food court. (laughs) So... So this is where, uh, so this is where it kind of falls apart for me a little bit because uh, one of the main, uh, I'll say, generals of this battle, uh, kind of Clark's second in command, uh, is Octavia Blake, and Octavia Blake went through, in my opinion, quite possibly one of the best character arc transition story things. In this season, um, it's, before you finish that, let me just say that I actually, because of you, because of what I saw between episode one and episode last, I had to make sure that the sort of hot snobby chick from the first episode is this like tribal war chieftain. Yes, looks exactly yes. like Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. So, so she ends up getting into earlier in the series. She ends up getting into a a relationship with one of the grounders. Like uh, the the other thing that is unspoken in the direction of this show is uh, whether you're male or female. If you were one of the 100 that were sent down to the planet, you are going to end up finding a groundling somewhere. You're going to have some sort of verbal altercation with them, and later that same episode, you are going to fuck. 
<laughs> like it's <laughs> just <laughs> that god damn you right now kind of thing it's just this weird and there's just a lot of back and forth and trading of partners kind of thing from one episode to the next and relationships get made and broken and heartbreaks and blah 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 because it's fucking cw mm-hmm. so this is the thing that happens do they um, all do that to u2 music no uh, no okay we'll get to you too before the end but she octavia ended up uh like getting trained as a warrior by by tree crew um and she ends up becoming commander and she's the one that unites all the crews against one of the science factions and bullshit blah blah in the middle of the series and she kind of coins the term one crew um and they like she gets the title of blood reina because like she is just fucking ruthless so there is a point where they're all living in this underground bunker and they're having to ration food and people start like well why do we have to share our food with them they were our enemies outside why the fuck and she just pulls her fucking sword out and walks up behind the guy and puts the knife to their throat and she goes you are one crew or you are against one crew choose well, I don't understand. And she just slits the guy's throat and then goes right. to the next guy sitting next to him. You are one crew or you are against one crew. Choose. And like she goes through half an episode and it just slowly gets like, you are one crew or you are against one crew. And she goes, bad shit. And it is fucking hot because she <laughs> is, she is very easy on the eyes yes. and all decked out in like the, the black and scarlet leather and bloodied and dirty and sword and just killing people like She's almost a semi-goth, semi-emo river song from Serenity. It's just her her fight scenes were badass. I'm going to give it that. Um, I, uh, I just sent you a picture on the yeah, Discord yeah. for those who have played Horizon Zero Dawn. She looks like Alloy. She looks like a, a sort of pale, black-haired Alloy. A, yes, a black-haired Alloy. But um, it's it was a really cool uh, story arc for her. So to see her... When she went into that series finale, I was expecting more from the person we had come to know as Blood Raina. Um, and what ha- I, what ended up happening is she kind of talks both sides down, like uh, through the through the course of realizing that uh, she comes to this revelation that like Blood Raina is not something that can be sustained. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of works herself out of that role. Uh, but because she has been in that role and she's seen that side of it, she has kind of an insight into war and combat in, 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 in the general sense. Uh, and she's kind of the one that helps talk both sides down to like, look, this is not something that can continue to happen. This last episode is called The Last War for a reason. Because either this is going to be the war that completely eliminates any traces of humanity because they're just going to eliminate each other. Whatever vestiges of humanity are left are going to get destroyed. Or they're going to come to the realization that this can no longer happen and we are better than this and they will all transcend. So one way or another, this battle is the last battle. Okay. So then... This happens. I, as a note, I never would have known that she was, you know, hot Kurgan if you hadn't explained it, because she really comes across like very tribal druidy type. 
um, without any context. So battle ends. This proves that humanity can change itself. And they and they all turn into light trees. Yeah. Um. Okay. Fine. Now, why? And maybe this is just way too big of a existential question to get through, uh, since it was just the last episode. Why do they want to transcend instead of fuck and make more people? Uh, because they've gotten to a point where that's not an option. Because the one thing that bothers me, and we get this is the it's the end of Highlander. It really is because now uh, Clark's left alone with Space Chick, and she's going, "Look, you know you can't. Everybody else was able to transcend. You can't." And she goes, "Wait, because I'm the only person that's ever done anything bad." And she says, "No, you're just the only person who's ever done anything bad during the test." Right. Cute. Um, and then she goes, but people are allowed to come back from transcendation. Uh, and that's never happened before either. And lo and behold, all the all of her friends back from the beginning, uh, from the first season, presumably, all of the all the kids that are now grown up seven years older are around the corner and they're building houses. And transcendent woman tells her, you aren't going to have kids. You're unable to transcend ever again, but you're here till you die. Is this supposed to be a happy ending? Because it seems like these people, it doesn't seem like transcending sounds all that sexy. It doesn't sound like it's all that great of an idea. You're joining a collective brain cult. And yeah, humanity gets to live on, but it doesn't. It's gone. It's now just part of the energy sphere. So uh, the th- kind of thing that you have to take into account is uh, the Cadigan, who's basically the guy who uh, kind of helped create the test and was the guy who was gearing towards I'm going to be the one to take the test because there is nobody in humanity who is as smart as me who will be able to take this test and pass this test. Is that uh, the Charlie Manson looking old guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, evolution happens. So uh, humanity has gotten to a point where we have uh, we have spun the hands of the doomsday clock past 12. There is no more going back. There is no more, uh, let's just not confront each other and, and, and sit around and fucking have more babies and just kind of keep humanity going. We have reached the, the point of critical mass, and that's kind of the whole point of this is when the test becomes available. Like, there are two options. We transcend, and, and humanity continues, but in a different form, mm-hmm. or humanity just dies out. And a week from now, we're all going to be weeds and trees, and maybe something else will come along to replace it. Maybe it won't. But but either way, humanity as we know it is going to end. It's either will we become something better than ourselves, or are we just going to become a memory and completely eliminated? So that's where they are when they get to the end of this episode. And the fact that her friends say... We don't want to leave her alone after everything that she's done for all of us uh, is supposed to be kind of like that testament to friendship 
and and camaraderie that that she never left any of them behind. So they decided, well, we're not going to leave her behind. If she can't come with us, then at least we got the rest of humanity to be able to move on to the next phase of evolution. And if it means that we die and we just hang out, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to come back and we're going to be with Clark and, and we'll live to however old we are and we'll all hang out and meet at this church in this alternate reality that we thought was an alternate reality but really wasn't. And we're just going to live the rest of our days here. I, I hear all of this. I think the one takeaway I have is that I would be pissed. And it doesn't and like they all sort of like they walk off into the sunset. And again, you two plays. I don't know why the CW thinks everybody likes you too. Uh, it's the third you two song in the episode. Probably for the but, same reason that Zack Snyder thinks everybody likes, you know, things in black and white slow motion with, you know, choirs playing in the background. Fair enough. Touche. Um, is that they've, these people have chosen not to go forward with this. She's relegated to not going forward with this. I, I dislike the idea that, fine, you don't want to join our super cool kids club, but we're not going to let you start your own club on your own. You can just stay over in this little corner of the universe until you die. I don't know. I don't want to get too dogmatic and into, into faith issues on it, but it just, it feels very like, you know what? We should have a chance to be able to do this on our fucking own. Go away. Let us try it. Be that way. We don't want to be part of your stupid club. Fine. I, don't, I, I, I didn't make it because I fucked up the test, but I'm going to do that guy over there and, I'm gonna, and, and that guy and, and the whole Dawson's crew team. <laughs> um, we'll make our own CW with blackjack and hookers. It, it just feels at the end that like the that last 30 seconds sort of ties up just enough that you won't ask any questions and you go, oh, my friends are together. Yay. But the minute you give it a, a, a barest glimmer of a thought, it just like crumbles. Well, and I, I kind of think that that was the point of it. Like they wanted a definitive end. They did not want a, well, what happens 10 years from now? What happens 20 years from now? What happens 10 years from now? They're 10 years older. Like there's, there's, there's never the, you know, let's go back and reboot it with their kids or the next generation of, or cause it's not there. It's, it's a, a definitive end to what happens. Like if, mm -hmm. if ever a TV show, uh, you know, unspokenly said the end in capital letters, uh, it was the way they ended this episode. All right. And having not seen the other 99 episodes because I did appreciate that this is the hundredth episode. Yeah, that was actually um, kind of cool. Yeah, the uh, with that I'm, I have to accept it. I'm not going to go watch the rest of it, if only because everybody tells me how bad it goes downhill. Um, and I don't want to look for. I'd rather finally spend the time to watch the Expanse, which everybody tells me I will worship once I get used to it. But what about you out there? What did you think? Did you watch the 100? Do you feel like we're being fair to it? Did you enjoy the 100 ending? Is there a 100 ending that we are unaware of? That like there's a there's a spin on this and a take on this that makes it almost 101. You can do that where, Rob? 
You can find everything about us over at somethingcast.com. There are all of the buttons and widgets and doodads and links that will let you listen to us where all other great podcasts are found, such as iTunes and Stitcher and uh, Google Podcasts, which is now YouTube Podcasts or something, I think. Something like Uh, that. Spotify. All those great places can be found over on somethingcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash somethingsomethingcast and follow us on Twitter over at ststcast as well as twitch.tv slash something something cast follow us there we do game nights a couple nights a week uh either me playing some dead by daylight or me and james playing some phasmophobia or some other game that we're going to come up with uh and one tuesday night a month we stream us doing our podcast recording uh so it's a great opportunity for you guys to come and kind of check out and see how the sausage is made uh join us in the chat interact with us afterwards we hang out with some jackbox games it is a good time to be had by all Indeedly doodly. And I have nothing more to add. You did it as well as anybody has ever done it ever till the end of humanity. You're so with just, that you're just saying that because I'm the only one that's ever done it. <laughs> with that, I'm James Adden. I'm Podcast Rob. This has been the end. Later. <laughs>